Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The FT. What Barclays' takeover of ING Direct means for savers and borrowers. Ethical investing. Can you really combine profits and principles? And we look at ways your employer can help you save and invest without you having to sign away your employment rights. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Jonathan Neely, and I'll be giving you all the money news this week in downloadable form with the help of my FT colleagues Elaine Moore. Hello. Lucy Warwick-Ching. Hi. Joe Cumbo. Hello. Plus a special studio guest, Penny Shepherd, who is Chief Executive of the UK Sustainable Investment and Finance Association. Hello. We start as ever with the big money news this week. On Tuesday, Barclays announced that it was to take over the savings and mortgage business of ING Direct, the popular Dutch online savings business. ING has 1.5 million customers in the UK, with deposits of £10.9 billion and a £5.6 billion mortgage book. Many have interpreted this news as a sign that the new chief executive of Barclays, Anthony Jenkins, who hails from the retail side of the bank, is stamping his mark on the company. But actually, Barclays has made moves like this before. It bought Egg's credit card business from Citibank last year, and it acquired Standard Life's banking operation in 2009. Way back in 2000, it acquired mortgage lender Woolwich. Now, if you're one of ING's customers, you may well be wondering what will happen next. We've been looking into that. Lucy, first of all, why is ING selling its UK operation? Well, ING has been operating in the UK since 2003, and when it launched a market-leading savings account paying uh, 4.3%. But in recent months, um, it's had some problems with its business. So in August, it flagged a possible sale of the UK and Canadian business. So we kind of knew in a way that it was coming or something was coming. Um, and it also earlier this year, it had to split its banking and insurance operations and sell some of its businesses. And it, it received a, a government bailout from the from the Dutch government. So we kind of knew something was going to happen. OK, and um, you spoke about its market-leading interest rates. Do you think those will, will stay once Barclays takes over running it? Well, that's a big question for anybody who's an ING direct saver at the moment. Um, ING still has been consistently offering um, competitive rates. And anyone that's 
that is one of these customers will be wondering whether the interest rates will now be cut if uh, if we move over to Barclays. But actually, nothing's going to happen for the next couple of years while ING Direct is integrated into the Barclays company. So if you're lucky enough to have the ING cash ISA that's 2.8% or be in the 2.7% no-notice account, should be fine for the moment. But... That, that's not to say that it might actually change, that Barclays may change these no notice account interest rates. Barclays at the moment has a 2.34% um, interest rate on its cash ISA, but only 0.65% on its everyday saving account. So it's okay for anyone that's in a notice account, so where they have to actually give notice and say to the bank that they want to take their money out. Those rates will be fixed for the term of the account. Um, but anyone that's in a no-notice one that could take their money out at any point could actually find that those rates change at some point. Okay, so it's a case of uh, keeping a very close eye on the rate that's being um, being offered. Now, one of the things about ING that, of course, it was Dutch, so it came under the Dutch um, deposit and protection scheme. Presumably, now that it's becoming part of a UK bank, um, that will change. Yes, so um, basically, whereas before your money was um, came under the um, Dutch government, um, it was called the Dutch Depositor Guarantee Scheme, which covered um, customers for €100,000. So that kind of translates roughly at the moment to about 80000 So whereas now, if your money's going to Barclays, it means it'll be covered by the Financial Services Compensation Scheme, which will cover you for £85,000. So, so actually, you're getting a little bit more protection for your money uh, with the move to Barclays. But if you've got money in both the ING Direct accounts and in Barclays, then you may need to reconsider how much money you have with both banks because they'll obviously come under one umbrella and you'll only get um, up to £85,000 compensation. OK, thanks, Lucy. We've lots more on the ING Barclays deal in this weekend's FT Money. And we've always got a table of the best savings and ISA rates, should you wish to move your money to another account. You can also read the article online at www.ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, how you can get your employer to help you save and invest, but retain your key employment rights. First, though, ethical investment. Next week is National Ethical Investment Week, when fund managers, IFAs and others work together to promote the idea of socially and environmentally responsible investment. The concept of ethical investment has been around for two decades or more, but many providers say interest has been growing in recent months amid widespread public disquiet at the conduct of banks in particular. Earlier this year, I reported how Triodos Bank had seen a surge in new account openings, while lenders like Co-op and its internet offshoot Smile have also benefited. But what exactly is ethical investment? And can we really have our cake and eat it? Or will it always come down to a straight choice between the warm glow of morality and the cold hard lure of cash? Elaine Moore has been looking into all things ethical this week. Elaine, what have you found out? Well, I found that it's uh, a slightly more complicated topic than you might first think uh, when you're thinking about ethical investment, you might perhaps think of an investment that avoids oil, or you might think of an investment that supports, say, new forms of technology that uh, sort of tackle climate change. But actually, when you start looking into this sector, the scale of it means that there's all sorts of ways to invest that mean that the sector is actually big and it's growing bigger all the time. But it's also it also covers such a huge range of investments. And this is something that Penny Shepherd has, has come in to talk to us about today. Penny, how would you describe ethical investment? 
I describe a green and ethical investment as really any investment that takes account of environmental, social, governance and or ethical concerns alongside conventional financial returns. Either because you're concerned about the impact of your investment on the world or because you're actually just financially concerned about how, as the world is changing around you, what's that going to do to the value of your investments and the returns that you get. But what we see is an overwhelmingly large number of people are actually concerned about both. They want to make money and make a difference in the world at the same time. In fact, our research shows that nearly half of savers and investors want to make money and make a difference, so long as they can do both at the same time. So as Jonathan said there, uh, bank customers in particular, there's been so many scandals coming out of the banking sector recently that that's um, sort of brought it to people's attention, the fact that maybe they don't want to put their money with an organisation that they don't support. But some of the funds that I've been looking at, their investment strategies are so varied that I think it can be quite difficult, can't it, to work out what ethical means? Well, there are an increasing range of of information available to you online to help you look. Uh, And we provide a fairly easy list of of places that you can start on the National Ethical Investment Week website at www.neiw.org. And some of the sites that we point to are, for example, the Worldwise Investor website uh, that lists uh, 137 funds, which, yes, is quite a lot. Uh, It represents over 18 billion in assets under management in total. Uh, But it then categorizes those funds into the traditional ethical funds, uh, funds that invest, as you say, on sustainability themes, um, and so on. Uh, So, you know, you can look at it simply, or you can delve in more deeply. So if we were to break it down, you mentioned there that there's um, there's ethical funds, there's green funds. Are there any other subcategories, do you think, within this The sector? way uh, we would look at it is that there are funds which invest in the solutions to the problems of tomorrow. So funds like sustainable agriculture, water funds, and so on. Uh, then there are funds that look at the behavior of companies and invest in the ones that are managing their social and environmental impacts most effectively. Um, and then uh, there are funds that, that take the traditional ethical approach uh, of looking at what people want to avoid as well as what they want to support. And do you think, is there any um, correlation between the, the way that the funds are arranged and the performance of them? What we know from from looking back over many years is that it's certainly possible to invest ethically uh, without uh, needing to accept a, a lower financial return. I mean, in particular, at the moment, many of the, the traditional ethically screened funds in the UK companies sector are doing very well against the market as a whole. Similarly, in terms of the thematic funds, some themes have, have done better than others. A number of the funds in the UK uh, companies sector um, have performed well over the last three years. Uh, For example, Ecclesiastical's UK Amity Fund uh, has delivered some 3% better than the the market average over that time. And it's typical in some ways of some of the green and ethical funds in that it's run by a very experienced fund manager who's been running it nearly 25 years and has therefore seen seen the performance of the markets over a whole variety of conditions. So it's not surprising she's doing well at the moment. Some of the funds that I've been looking at that have performed fairly well, so I'm thinking of SVM All Europe, um, which screens out tobacco and pornography and armaments. 
do include investments that I think some listeners might be surprised at. So this one in particular includes BP in its investments. Do you think that's uh, a counter to ethical investments? It makes sense to look at what any fund is invested in and, and check out that it does meet your needs. But many funds are now focusing on the positive, not just on what they want to avoid. And so you will see funds uh, invest across uh, a range of, of sectors, depending on looking at, um, you know, looking at a, a broad range of factors. OK, well, thank you very much, Elaine and Penny. For lots more on ethical investing and ethical investing fund ideas, see Elaine's article in the FT Money section this weekend. And you can also read it online at www.ft.com money. And finally today, we look at employer savings schemes. At the start of this week, Chancellor George Osborne told the Conservative Party conference that the government plans to help employees own stakes in the companies they work for by exempting profits on workplace shares from capital gains tax. But there's a catch. The employee would have to accept a reduction in their standard employment rights, things like notice periods or maternity leave or the right to flexible working. The proposals have received a very mixed reception. Justin King, the chief executive of Sainsbury's, was openly critical of them, and even the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development voiced some doubts. Lord Harris, the founder of Carpet Right and a past donor to the Conservative Party, said they felt like a bribe. But in fact, there are already many ways that employers can help their employees save money and invest for the future. It's just that many workers, and employers, aren't aware of them or haven't asked for them. Joe, you've been looking into the subject over the past few days. What exactly is George Osborne proposing and when would it take effect? What he's proposing is to introduce a new employee ownership scheme whereby businesses can make staff uh, employee owners by giving them between 2000 and £50,000 worth of shares in the business. And when these shares would be sold eventually by the, by the employee, they'll be uh, exempt from CGT. But as you mentioned, um, in return for um, having shares offered to them, the employee will have to give up quite um, key employment rights. And given that there's already an exemption uh, for capital gains tax of around about £10,000 each year, how many people are really likely to benefit from this scheme? Well, what the government is saying is that this initiative is aimed at smaller startups who really can't afford high salaries to be paid to new employees. So what they could do is offer them these shares or equity in the company, but in return they'll have to give up their employment rights, etc. They're saying only a few hundred thousand people might be interested in these kind of schemes. But you'll quite rightly point out that there is a CGT allowance. Currently it's £10,600 per year, and you'd have to exhaust that before the, any benefit would be realised of having a tax perk on giving up your employment rights and selling those shares. Okay, so for the many of us that work for larger um, companies, what can our employers already do to help us become part owners in the in the business? Well, there's plenty of schemes that have been around for a long time which are tax efficient and they can actually encourage people to save through the workplace as well as become part owners in the business. And the ones that you might be aware of, that many of our listeners might be aware of, are Save As You Earn and Share Incentive Plans, which are very different in terms of the annual savings limits that they offer, the flexibility and also the risk. 
Now, we've heard lots about auto-enrolment into pensions in the last few weeks, but what about ISAs? I've heard that some companies are now offering those too. That's right. I mean, this has been coming um, on board for the past five years or so. We've seen more businesses as part of a flexible benefits package approach to staff offer them the opportunity to have payments into an ISA deducted straight from salary and and put straight into an ISA, which has been offered alongside a pension usually, so people can save um, duly for their long-term retirement, also something they can dip into more flexibly. But there are pros and cons of workplace ISAs. Thank you very much, Joe. And don't forget, if you'd like to know more about other ways your employer might be able to help you out, ranging from loans to buy bicycles to childcare vouchers, then do see Joe's article in this weekend's FT Money. But that's all for this week's FT Money show. Remember, you can get weekday news updates on our website, www.ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Joe, Lucy, Elaine and our special guest, Penny Shepherd. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.